Hello again and welcome back to the Spain to Go podcast, the best podcast in the entire multiverse about all things Spain. As usual, I'm your host, Daniel Welsh, coming to you from beautiful Barcelona. Today we're going to talk about Madrid, the pros and cons of living in Madrid. I have a similar article about Barcelona, but since Madrid is my first Spanish love. I'm going to talk about that first. A little bit of backstory. I moved to Madrid in 2004. I was 21, almost 22 years old. It was a dumb thing that people do when they're 21 years old, but it worked out really well. I spent about 13 years living in Madrid. It was great, and I still love it. I still go back all I can. So let's talk about the pros and cons of living in Madrid. I guess we could take into account that I'm also from the U.S. and from sort of an unexciting place in the U.S. I grew up in the desert outside of Phoenix. It's, well, I don't know what it's like now, but it was pretty uh, minimal back in those days. We had a house and then just a lot of desert around, so there was not much to do. Living anywhere has its pros and cons, but moving to a European capital after all this time in the desert with nowhere to go and nothing to do was very exciting. Living abroad generally can be quite exciting, and I was basically giddy with emotion for my first two or three years in Madrid and in Spain. Now, A lot has happened. I'm a bit more conscious of the cons, but that doesn't mean I've forgotten about the pros. There are some things that are always going to be amazing and wonderful about Madrid life. So let's talk about pros and cons. For every pro here, I've tried to find a complementary con because often they're two sides of the same coin. And if you want to hear some more cons, I've got some other stuff on the website. I've got a long list of things that I love about Spain, a short list of things that I hate about Spain. I've also done some here on the podcast, and I will be doing more in the future. Anyway, let's talk pros and cons. Our first pro is Madrid's excellent public transport. Madrid's system of public transport is among the best in the world. At least that's what they say. I haven't been everywhere in the world, obviously. But it's definitely good, and they're constantly pouring tons of money into improving it. The metro that we know today is about twice the size as it was when I arrived. There are new neighborhoods on the metro that before were sort of outlying areas where it was... um, a bit difficult to arrive, places like Villa Verde are now really close to Puerto del Sol when in the past you had to take a metro to Legazpi and then take a bus from some dusty bus depot on the outskirts. The buses are also pretty good in the suburban trains. The bus network has not been updated very much in recent years but the metro is all the time. The suburban trains, well, the cercanías, they're definitely 
good and always on time, except for a couple of the lines that go from the south that are a bit difficult in rush hour, you can basically always count on the Cercanias trains in Madrid to be on time, which is great. The prices are not bad. Every time the metro monthly pass goes up 40 cents, there's a huge public outcry, and it hasn't happened too much recently. The prices are still pretty good compared to other world cities. Also, unlike a city like London, everything here is pretty close together. In London, for example, 45 minutes seems like right around the corner because everything is just so far away. Here you can be relaxing in a small mountain town in 45 minutes from Plaza Castilla or from a lot of places. The city is just smaller, so the transport generally is faster. On the other hand, there is a con, which is the awful work schedules. The awful work schedules is something that has changed a bit with the pandemic and the work-from-home situation a lot of people have been in, but it might be going back to normal fairly soon. I was teaching English for a long time, and if you're teaching English, you might be hoofing it around the city from 7.30 in the morning to 9.30 in the evening, with a few dead hours at midday. You could have a class in one place at 8 in the morning, and then class in another place at 10, and then, you know, just a long day of going around the city on public transport. So you might be able to get home for a siesta at some point, but you'll definitely be spending a lot of time on public transport. These days, a lot of things happens online, but if you're going back to an office soon, well, keep in mind. People who work in offices often get a bad deal too, because the Spanish work culture is a little bit different. Here they have something, they call it the cultura de presentismo, which basically means that your boss will think you're a hard worker if he sees you clocking long hours, not necessarily judging you on what you've actually accomplished, just the fact that you are arriving early and staying late. So if you're holding down a desk all day long until, until late in the evening, you might be considered a good employee, whether or not you're actually getting anything done. Other countries in Europe are different. The Spanish envy those countries in the north, where 5 p.m. means you put your pencil down on the desk and you walk out of the office and you're just done. Here in Spain, it's not typical. Here, you might have to pretend to get things done for a few more hours after 5 p.m. because the boss will think you're lazy for going home on time. On the other hand, the people from Scandinavia are the ones who come to Spain on vacation. They spend a lot of their money coming to Spain on vacation every year, and we get to live here full time. One of the pros would be a lower cost of living. Madrid is cheap, compared to some places at least. What you'd spend to rent a room full of rats and tuberculosis in London's Zone 7 will get you a sweet penthouse with a huge terrace in one of Madrid's nicest areas. That might be a bit of an exaggeration, but I've heard about London rents. It doesn't sound good. Friends from New York similarly will shock you when they tell you how much they paid to live with bedbugs and junkies in Brooklyn back in the day. Here, you just can't compare the prices to the 
major world cities, let's say. Food is also pretty cheap, and going out with friends won't cost too much either, as long as you avoid the gastro bars and the more expensive discos. Of course, cost of living varies a lot from barrio to barrio. For something less costly, check out Usera in the south, or come up to my old neighborhood in the north, which is called Tetuan. These are pretty nice places that are not super expensive. If you're looking for something hipper, of course, you've got La Latina or Malasaña, which will cost you more. If price were no object, I would personally go and live around the Cusco area, which is also close to Plaza Castilla. It's close to the Santiago Bernabeu Stadium, where Real Madrid plays. Very nice. If I had an unlimited housing budget, that's where I would be. Of course, if you're going to get excited about the low cost of living, you should also take into account the con that goes along with this. The con in this case, terrible. Spanish salaries. I'm sorry to say it, Spanish salaries suck. And it's little comfort knowing your rent is nowhere near Brooklyn prices if your salary is only 600 euros a month. Back in the day, in the pre-crisis years, people would complain about being mil euristas, earning about 1,000 euros a month. Decent, respectable job, but a salary that's not incredible and not improving. When the crisis really hit, though, unemployment went to 26%, and being a milorista became many people's highest aspiration. Back in the day, you would hear all the time, well, I'm lucky to just have a job. All of the architects and engineers were either leaving the country or earning 800 bucks a month and happy to have it, 800 euro bucks a month and happy to have it. Salaries just went down for a lot of people. There are still certain lucky people who earn salaries in the low four figures, but they're few and far between, thanks to austerity. I wrote this a while ago with the recent pandemic. I kind of doubt that most people's salaries have improved. Of course, it depends on the industry that you're in, but a lot of people are sort of scraping by on unamazing salaries. That's just the way it is. On a more positive note, we have a pro, the nightlife. I should mention that I'm not into nightlife at all, but if I were, I'm sure Madrid would be great for it. From what I've heard, Madrid's nightlife is actually one of the world's best. If you know where to go, the party never really stops. After dinner on Friday night, you could potentially go to a bar, a club, a chill-out, un after after party, which is just called an after. You could probably continue doing this all the way through till Sunday night. I assume people do this possibly with the help of many controlled substances. I don't know much about it. Here in Barcelona, the controlled substances thing is definitely uh, an issue. But yes, it is possible that the people who are partying all the time are coked up out of their minds. In any case, you do not have to take it to that extreme. You can go out after work and stay out until three in the morning and possibly, you know, feel reasonably good the next day. Madrid is one of those cities that's often busier at 3 a.m. than it is at 10 a.m. The party 
on Gran Via, the traffic jam on Gran Via in the middle of the night is bigger than the one in the morning a lot of the times. And on weekends, a lot of the people you see on public transport in the mornings will be people coming back after a full night's partying. There's a con, of course, that comes along with this, and it is the noise. This depends quite a bit on your street and on your barrio, but in most places, Madrid is noisy. Where I lived in Tetuan, it was pretty quiet compared to other places, but still, during the day, there's usually some sort of construction or roadworks happening outside. At night, there were the garbage trucks at 1 a.m. There was a disco that would close at 6. There were the kids coming out and breaking stuff in the surrounding streets after the disco. It would sometimes make sleep a bit difficult when the windows were open in summer. An extra con could be that Spanish air conditioning is a joke, that you might have air conditioning or you might not, but it also probably won't work very well. I guess that's a topic for another day. If you live on one of the main streets, you'd better hope for double windows and really good AC, because otherwise you're going to, deal, to be dealing with noise 24-7. Have I mentioned also some other place that people shout a lot? Well, yeah, apparently telling kids to shut up is not part of most Spaniards' parenting strategy. So people end up being sort of loud. Often when they're adults, they're very loud. And that could happen. These people could be your neighbors. They could be walking by outside your window at two in the morning being loud. So it is, Madrid is known for being one of the louder places in Europe. Another pro is the food. I like Spanish food a lot. The typical Spanish foods involve few ingredients and they are simple and high quality. It's nothing elaborate. It's nothing like French or Italian cuisine. It's just wholesome, good cooking like grandma used to make if you had a Spanish grandma. Some of the classics you should try in Madrid are tortilla de patatas, potato omelet. You could have a good paella, find a good place for paella and you'll be fantastic. Have some meat, have some cochinillo, which is suckling pig. You can have some fish, which will usually be prepared in a very simple fashion with garlic, lemon, parsley. You could have some pork ear if you're feeling adventurous. Chorizo, of course, is part of the appeal, part of the name of my blog, The Chorizo Chronicles, is how important it is to my Spanish life. I personally like the squid ring sandwiches with alioli, which are popular in some of the some of the old man bars. There's several places around Plata Mayor that make a lot of production out of the squid ring sandwich. Of course, there's a lot of other fish too. I'm not a huge fish person, but Madrid's wholesale fish market is one of the busiest in the world. I believe it's right up there with Tokyo for wholesale fish. So yeah, great food. On the other hand, in recent years, you've got all these gastro bars which have been popping up. A lot of them are kind of disappointing. What I would recommend is that you find some immigrant-owned restaurants. Pick a cuisine. We have a lot of stuff. I love a lot of the Chinese places around Plata España. There's also great Peruvian food. I would assume other countries in South America 
there's sushi, there's Ethiopian, there's food of all kinds. You can go around like in any other big city and try all kinds of things. You don't need to limit yourself to Spanish food. Of course, all of this brings us back to one of the cons, which is the meal schedules. When I first arrived in Spain, my flatmate Javi was frustrated to no end with my meal schedule. He'd come home from work at 6.30 or 7 and see me digging into a plate of pasta, and he'd say, what is this? Lunch? Dinner? This is not a time to be eating pasta. He was apparently serious about this. He really objected to large meals at 6.30 or 7. On the flip side, if your metabolism is used to substantial breakfasts, lunch at 12 and dinner at 6, you're going to spend a lot of time in Spain hungry and frustrated. First off, because Spanish breakfast is usually tiny. It's often something small like a piece of toast and some coffee or a cup of tea and one cookie. After that, People usually tide themselves over with a second breakfast at 10 or 11. Lunch is at 2, maybe a bit after, and dinner is at 9 or 10. You could have a snack in the middle of the afternoon. However, if you're used to a completely different schedule, it could be difficult. These days, this is changing a bit. More and more restaurants have a kitchen that's open all afternoon and evening, maybe from 12 to 12. But even in the most touristy areas, there are still plenty of places you'll find shuttered all through what you consider to be dinner time. Often the places will open for lunch from 1 to 4.30 or so. From 5 to 8 they'll be closed and then they'll reopen at 8 for the dinner shift. Intermittent fasting is popular and it definitely helps to get through this. Our next pro is the social life. My favorite part of living in Madrid is that there are people from all over the world. My personal Madrid social life involves people from literally dozens of countries, and there's always something going on. The expat community is huge and constantly renewing itself, which is a good thing and a bad thing. Sometimes your friends, you, you will make friends, and they will move away two years later, and you're back to square one. However, if you work at it, you can have a pretty good social life with people from all countries. You can also try hanging out with the locals. There's a bit of debate in expat circles about whether making a lot of Spanish friends is even possible. A lot of people tend to marry into a Spanish family, and that's how they get a Spanish social circle. Others struggle for years to make a lot of Spanish friends. I have a few Spanish friends, but mostly international people because we just have more in common with uh, each other. In any case, there's always time to go to the bar to have a three-hour lunch or to spend a couple of weeks stuffing yourself with sweets and celebrating the never-ending holiday season. More about that in my episode on Christmas traditions, of course. Expat Thanksgiving is one of my favorite times of year. Imagine Thanksgiving at home, but with 10 times more wine and people who are often much more fun than your family. You make the turkey, I'll buy the booze, call me. The final con, though, is that you might never go home. And this, of course, is either a pro or a con, depending on how you think about it. 
If you have some big life plan that requires you to become a Wall Street banker or an actress in LA, good for you. But Madrid's probably not the place for that. A lot of people move here for six months or a year, end their contract or stay out their visa and then go home. Often student loans are a problem. If young people come from the US or possibly the UK, they just have $40,000 in student loans or more, and a Spanish salary is not helping them to pay it off, so they end up at home. A lot of other people, though, find love or get hooked on the lifestyle and end up spending their free time fighting the bureaucracy to be able to stay legally for a few more years. I'm part of that group. I was only really supposed to be in Spain for eight days back in 2004, and here I still am in 2022 at this point. First, there was a love interest, then it became a lifestyle interest, then just a job and life happens. So now I really haven't even seriously considered getting away. Was it worth it? Totally. Would I recommend this to others as a life plan? Not really. I did my thing and uh, you should do yours. My Spain experience has worked out pretty well, but I cannot guarantee that yours will be equally successful. In any case, you should definitely come visit, stay as long as you can. A lot of people enjoy it, and others end up back at home having had an adventure, and they have something to remember. So handle with care. Madrid life sometimes gets its hooks in people, and you might not be able to leave. However, despite the negatives, it's still a pretty awesome place to live. Are there other pros and cons? Well, probably. I can't think of anything very specific. Spanish bureaucracy sucks, but I assume it's not much worse than in other places. I've never heard somebody say that the bureaucracy in their country is just amazing. Customer service isn't great, but that's probably just about the terrible salaries that people are earning. I would also not be super friendly for the typical Spanish salary, so I can understand that they don't want to be either. The political situation is a bit ridiculous, but that's another story. And of course, I'm from the United States, where we have a similarly, not similarly, we have an equally or even more ridiculous political situation, just not similar. And that's about all I can think of. Every time I've thought about moving to some other country in Europe, I think about all of the people from that country in Europe and how they spend their vacation in Spain. And I think, well, maybe I can just stick it out here. There's not any other place that I really love more than Madrid. If you find me a place with high salaries, low taxes, amazing weather, and an awesome social life, I'll be there tomorrow. But so far, I have not found that place. So, here I am, between Madrid and Barcelona these days, and life is good. That's about all I've got for today. If you have any feedback about this episode, please send me a message. You can go to expatmadrid.com contact, and you will find a contact form where you can get in touch. You can also find me on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, a lot of other places. I do a lot of online stuff, so I'm pretty easy to find.
Anyway, I hope you have a great day wherever you are in the world. Send me your questions, your comments, your requests for future episode topics. I'm happy to hear from you. Until next time, from beautiful Barcelona. Bye.